fellow travelers, and welcome to the Versus Stars podcast. All my loyal listeners, thank you for your continued support. And remember, click the subscribe button, everybody. This is an amazing episode because Jay Hawthorne boards the mothership. You know him as the writer of Bishop War College from Marvel Comics. Come aboard as we go traversing the stars. Hello, Mr. Hotham. Thanks so much for coming to Versus Stars podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's, to- it's totally my honor as well, sir. So I always start out with a question of inspiration. So what inspired your love for comics and who your earliest influences? Uh, what inspired my love for comics was, uh, it was a lot of things. Uh, they were sort of always part of my life. Uh, my older brother is the person who brought them into me, uh, into my world. Uh, most specifically, he was a big comic book person. He's an artist. He loved to draw. Uh, and so I got all of his discarded comics. Uh, so from the time I was like six or seven, I was reading comics. Uh, I didn't get really serious about it until uh, I was about 10. Uh, and that's when I really started reading New Mutants and X-Men comics uh, in particular. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and that was, uh, you know, obviously during the Claremont run. And so Claremont and Byrne, um, uh, John Byrne are probably, in terms of comics, the biggest influences uh, on on the way I look at them, the way I read and the things that I want to read for. So obviously there's a lot of comic books out there. What was it about New Mutants and the X-Men that grabbed your attention? Uh, I was, I mean, primarily, I've I've said this in a couple of interviews, and it's true, like the New Mutants really kind of saved my life. Uh, When I was 10, I moved from Brooklyn, where I'd been living uh, at the time with my mother uh, and uh, my older brother and some some other siblings. I moved with my brother uh, into New Jersey with my dad um, out of sort of the heart of Brooklyn, Bushwick in the 80s into a very, very white new jersey suburb uh and so reading comic books about outsiders about people who were misfits who didn't fit into society uh helped me feel a lot less alone uh and so that's really particularly you know the new mutants i was 10 11 12 the new mutants were teenagers it was stories that uh made sense to me characters that made sense and sort of reflected uh emotionally my life and world and so i was just all the way in on those you know what I really, really like about that uh, that story is that it really tells you that comic books just aren't throwaway reading material. They do have weight to them. They do have influence. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I've never been someone, and I've been, you know, uh, with my family, I fought this fight for a very long time. Uh, I've never been someone who thought of them as just throwaway entertainment or kid stuff, uh, even though, you know, they are generally meant for kids. Uh, but that that doesn't mean there isn't weight. There is an emotional truth that there isn't uh, there aren't bigger thoughts and uh, emotional uh, realities that they help you confront. Like that's that's what they exist for. That's what they've always existed mm. for. You know, I was just talking to someone about Superman and the creation of Superman and, you know, uh, learning that uh, what was it? Jerry Siegel's father was shot in a robbery and then obviously he created a superhero who couldn't be shot you know like it's mm. it's the the heart of creation that's what we do and comic books i think are just a great medium for it and and i and i will definitely be um a supporter of the idea that all art does have that meaning and purpose if, if mm-hmm. it's going to have value to do at all it has to have a value of creating a purpose for for the readers and yeah, I think that's fantastic absolutely. So when you're obviously you're um, the writer of a Bishop War College or War because mm-hmm. obviously it's completely the miniseries. Yep. 
when you go into your writing or how do you do you think about that as far as um your approach like i want to say something of value what do i want to say or do you focus on a story and what comes out of it comes out of it uh, no, I very much start from the place of, okay, I'm creating this story. What do I want to say about it? Uh, that's how I approach all of my writing. Uh, I tend to be that that kind of writer, and I, I uh, tend to towards the idea that, you know, form sort of follows function and structure follows uh, intent. You know, um, I look at story as uh, you're building up to a climatic choice, and that climatic choice tells you the theme of the thing. So when I went to approach Bishop War College, uh, I was really interested in digging into Bishop as, uh, in some ways, as a trauma victim, mm. as someone who has lived through so much pain and so much suffering that it's, you know, turned him into this uh, very stoic, emotional sort of robot, not robot, but like very stoic, very dark, very, very grim kind of person. Uh, which is reasonable given all of the things he's experienced. Uh, and I really wanted to say, what does what does a person like that do when confronted with the the possibility that life could have been some other way for them? Um, and how does he how do you confront that? Because you know, he's he's in this place and he's lived through all these things. And I look at him as someone who thinks life is terrible and vicious and you can't trust people. Uh and I really like the idea of what happens when you are confronted with that's not necessarily true of life, mm. you know? I think um, when you think about Bishop and how he's often been handled in comic books, you think of the major story, which is, once again, he was at a future time where um, mutants are being uh, killed mm -hmm. uh, by Santa something like that. He goes back in time to kill the one he feels responsible. He's a soldier. Do you think enough tension is given to him beyond that aspect of his character? I mean, I would love to see, I always love to see more tension and more complications, particularly with black characters, just because being black in any sort of world is a, a nest of conflicting identities and ideas about yourself and reactions. Uh, and wanting to see Bishop, even though, you know, he's from a future um, that seems to to exist in a slightly more colorblind, I mean, more awfully colorblind, but colorblind space, just to understand what it means for him to confront the present, confront this past, that uh, the thing that I really, really did latch onto here is confronting this past that he had imagined as completely different. Mm. Uh, and that was something I really wanted to, to explore and confront in that sense of, you know, he's got this core belief about the world and I just wanted to poke at it and mm. challenge it and see how he responded uh, to that. Uh, and so it's that I feel like there's more there is more to be like mind in that character that I think is is interesting. And I would love to do more with him. Now, when obviously, like as we mentioned, you're the writer of Bishop War College. Did you approach them with your uh, Marvel with your console? Did Marvel approach you and say, would you like to work on a Bishop? miniseries marvel approached me uh sarah brunstad who i'd worked with briefly on a a, sh a short captain america sam wilson story uh for marvel voices legacy uh in uh 2022 uh approached me and said hey we're thinking about doing a bishop book uh are you interested and i said of course uh and she laid out that so this is what he's doing now teaching these younger mutants and what do you want to do with that uh, and one of the things that sort of leapt out in like a little bit of research and in conversation with Sarah was this idea, idea that he had imagined the X-Men as black. And I was like, well, that's 
an interesting place to to take him to have him see that and what does that again what does that do to him um and of course for me it's okay how do you build that world um where that is true and what would make that world different than the world that we're in uh and so that was where the story took me so when when, when they discussed with you the concept and you shared with them with your idea of it was were, was there any parameters editorial mandates anything they said either you can touch it or keep off nope. these rails nope. they were they were very very open to whatever i wanted to do and however i wanted to take the story uh and even the the sort of side stories you know we talked about um one of the things that happens in this is there's kind of a, a split in the story because Bishop and Tempest go into this alternate universe uh, while his students are strapped underneath Krakoa with the, the Fenris twins. Uh, and it was great because they were like, here are a bunch of young mutants who have been introduced in the last couple of years that haven't had a lot of showcase Mm. Uh, showcases for themselves for them uh, which ones do you want to play with and that was great getting to play with Vita's characters um, with characters that were introduced uh, by Teeny, by all these people and be like oh this is okay these are fun these are fun characters to like bounce off of each other while Bishop is on this sort of uh, philosophical journey into this other timeline now um, obviously one th other thing about the X-Men is that once again there are usually a lot of titles a very complex continuity. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to find a spot to pick to tell your story or were you already following the titles? Uh, I was following the titles a bit and I was, uh, you know, generally aware of the Krakoa era. Um, there are a few things that I had to like get up to speed on about sort of the background of the individual characters and their personalities. Um, but this was, you know, always sort of treated as a little bit of an offshoot, but, you know, in continuity with everything else. So that was a lot of working with the editor, uh, both Sarah uh, and Mark Basso. Um, working with him, working with both of them was about like, okay, what what do other characters know? What, what do other X-Men know? What has gone on? Where do these things fit in? Um, particularly in dealing with, you know, sort of the Orcus of it all, uh, uh, and their nefarious plans. When, and when you're choosing these characters, once again, you chose characters that are relatively uh, newer. Mm -hmm. um, did you choose them based on what you thought their chemistry would be like together? Was there something you wanted to say with each character? How did you choose the ones that you ended up with? I choose them based off what I thought the chemistry would be together. Um, and really wanting to pull people who weren't necessarily super uh, familiar with each other. Um, uh and so that was really my, and like just sort of interesting power sets and like these are interesting characters uh, to show some other flavors of. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm very, I was really interested in working with Cam and with Aura just because it's an interesting couple um, that hadn't gotten a lot of time. And I was like, that's, let's play with them. I think that's the, the, the thing that true that is about the X-Men. There's such a large number of them oh, that, it's, that it's so easy to forget a certain characters or they get like a little yeah. taste of this character, then you just don't see him ever again. Exactly. Then they're like drawn in the background of group scenes for five yeah. years. You know, it's especially now with like there being so many and uh, with the resurrection protocols and all. So it just sort of like everyone keeps coming and even being able to bring back characters from 15 years ago that no one has seen. Like it's, it's wild. <laughs> and when you deal with the cast of, of that, of the size of Bishop Warcow, once again, you're, it's Bishop Warcow, so obviously Bishop's your primary protagonist, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other characters as well. Um, 
is it difficult to make sure you're giving them proper time and development? Is it hard not to lose a thread where you get stuck? You know, you get interested in one storyline and you forget, you know, the, to tie back in the other one. It was hard. It was a, definitely a balancing act and harder than, uh, honestly, in some ways harder than I expected it to be, uh, just because there's also so little real estate, you know, by basically splitting the stories into two, that gave us sort of 10, 11 pages per issue for each story, hmm. um, which is one thing that I liked about it was that it kind of uh, limited the amount of plot that I would, that I had to deal with and sort of plot mechanics. Uh, and I think, you know, I hope people enjoyed it. It allowed, it did allow the characters to breathe a little bit more. Hmm. You know, it sort of gave them a uh, one point, one point of conflict per episode or issue between between them. Um, but then that just allowed like the emotional stuff to happen. I mean, obviously, um, the stories as you mentioned, they they diverge in two two directions. Bishop, you know, with hmm. the time traveling, and then you have the 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 other the classmates as well doing their yeah. own story. How do you make them, you know, obviously they, they're their own storyline, they're virgin, but they need to feel like they exist within the same overall story. So how yeah. did you make sure that that had that feeling that they do belong together, even though they, they're diverge? I mean, I wanted to keep them within the same um, within the same sort of philosophical question of when you're trained for battle, what happens when the battle is over mm. um, and vice versa? What happens when what? turns a person into a person of battle. Like that's that's what Bishop is doing. Bishop is trying to train these kids to uh fight the to fight a war. Mm. Um and in some ways he has to be reminded that uh you fight a war for a point not just to fight a war. Mm. And for the kids they have to be reminded that there is a war to be fought and that they are up to the task. Uh, and so that was the sort of uh, interplay. Like I wanted to sort of build to in the final issue, um, the moment where these two people come back together and they've both learned something about um, themselves and each other in it, you know? And I mean, and obviously this gave you a lot of chance to explore Bishop as a character. And I like how in the very first page you have um, Bishop described as being uh, intense, ferocious, uh, ruthless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so in thinking about that, how do you approach Bishop? Because once again, those three traits don't usually say a character that a reader would automatically attach to. Because once again, no. those are very standoffish traits, very off-putting on on some level. Not saying yeah. your your writing was all, you know obviously the character. No, no, that's no, that's the character, and like that's the thing that is exactly the thing that I want to play with. That's exactly the thing that I really enjoyed with doing this. Um, is that that is. That's who he is. I, I, like I said, I love dichotomies. I love interpersonal conflict. Um, for me, the part that uh, in that first issue that I think uh, was the key uh, and was the one of the moments that I liked the most is when he's having this fight with Danny and Danny calls him a bully. Mm. And I really meant it really genuinely for Bishop to be like, you think I'm a bully? And it's like he hadn't it hadn't occurred to him that that's how people saw him because he's he's just focused on I have a task at hand. I have to fight a war um, and to realize that, oh, wait, yelling at people isn't necessarily the best way to prepare them to fight a war um, and to at least start that journey for him to be like, well, is that what is that what's motivating me, you know? Mm. I think what's interesting, like I said, because he is a soldier, it kind of brings the idea that as a soldier, 
is that something that brings inherently empathy as part of its goal? I don't know if a soldier is inherently em- empathetic. No. Obviously, your goal is to kill an enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that 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 is exactly it. That, but the reason he fights this war is to protect something beautiful. The reason he's mm. doing this war training with these younger mutants is to teach them to protect Krakoa, to protect mutant life, to protect the, the their very hard-won uh victories and and uh, uh the world that they've built and i think part of the sort of narrow-mindedness of the soldier uh and again part of what i wanted to confront with him is that sometimes in that sense you lose sense of the thing you're protecting mm. as opposed to um being prepared for the fight and when once again looking at those traits that we discussed of intensity for ruthlessness and that nature in your opinion, when you think about Bishop, are those traits that are inherent to him or those traits that he feels a need to become in order to survive? I, that's the question. Like, that's the exact question. I think at the beginning of the series, Bishop thinks these are in traits that are inherent to me. I am an intense, ruthless, mission-focused person mm. because that's who I am and that's the way the world has made me. And there is no other way really to be in this world. You know, anyone else who is different is naive. You know, like, I think that that's where he started from. And then being confronted with, you know, nerd bishop, gentle, soft teacher bishop. It was like, oh, I'm maybe I could have I could have been different or I could be different or maybe. Ultimately, there is something softer inside of me mm. that I've lost touch with, that I need to reconnect with. There's an aspect of, um, to, to reference another character, um, Batman, where, where they mm-hmm. had the idea that Batman, you know, the Robins, you call, there's a certain writers who would have them refer to them as soldiers, you know, or good soldier, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I think Frank Miller did that as well. Yeah. Um, and then other writers have thought of, used more of the idea of, you know, these are my sons, these are not soldiers. Mm-hmm. So for Bishop, are they students or are they soldiers? I mean, that's the question. Like, that's the journey. I think at the beginning of this, they're soldiers. He's drilling soldiers. And by the end of it, he realizes they're students and I have to teach them Hmm. something. Like, I am definitely in the, uh, with Batman, like, it's again, I was talking about it with someone yesterday. Like, I prefer the soldier Batman, but like, as, as opposed to Batman as trauma victim. Batman as dark, tortured soul. I prefer him as someone who has made a decision about the way the world is and the way he interacts with it, and he follows that. And I think the journey for him always, I think that's that's what Dick was trying to do the entire time he was with him, was like, no, you're a father. Mm. We're your family. Treating us like soldiers is actually bad. You yeah. know, <laughs> I agree completely. And and I think another interesting aspect is that the, the character of Danny Moonstar, who's a very good counterpoint to Bishop within the, the, the war college. Um, obviously, she's kind of like Bishop's conscience. At least that's quite kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Yep. If she's Bishop's, Bishop's conscience, what is Bishop then for her? I mean, Bishop for her is the counterpoint. Bishop for her, because the thing I wanted to make sure was clear was that Bishop isn't wrong. Mutants are still under threat. Krakoa is still this delicate, beautiful thing that has to be defended. Um, It's just, where do you put your focus on that? 
You know, I don't think he's I think he's wrong to think of, you know, Danny as naive in any way. But I think Danny realizes she's wrong in that. And that's sort of the journey with the kids. She's wrong in that Bishop is going about this the worst possible way. Ultimately, the kids step up despite having despite how much he drilled them, despite how much he sort of implied and uh, even stated that they weren't up to the task and that they weren't working hard enough, they did work hard enough. They did learn mm. and they were able without him and without anyone else to defend Krakoa and to risk their their lives to do so. Now, I think like a cool aspect is that you have him travel to, I believe it's uh, um, Earth 63, Mm-hmm. Now, is there a particular reason you chose that number sixty-three, or that's the the birth of the X Men? Oh, damn! It. I, I, I totally missed one that was totally obvious. Sorry about that. Yep, <laughs> uh, very specifically, and you know, obviously, nineteen sixty-three is a like formative, important year in the world, and all of those. But for me, it was like that's the year they were born, and uh, the X Men, you know, have always been a bit of a. Uh, metaphor allegory for race relations not always um pretty much in the claremont years uh post sort of uh god loves man kills that's when like really they turned into the skid of uh x-men as race allegory Mm. uh which i've always both loved obviously as a kid and connected to but i've also been frustrated by because there are so few black x-men mm. uh and you know particularly as you get hit a, a a breaking point for me watching x-men first class and looking at jennifer lawrence and nicholas holt two very very attractive very white people both very good actors there's nothing against them but watching them have a scene talking about how they don't fit in and the world doesn't want them and i'm like we we might have lost the thread here a little bit on this you guys so that was those were the things that were in my mind both in the choice of the the number of the earth and both in the creation of that world mm. and and when you're thinking about the earth 63 and you have once again bishop visits this world and all mm-hmm. the all the x-men are, are black um is there a comfort comforting aspect to as you mentioned the other bishop of this world or is it frustrating to know that even this other Earth, their X-Men and the Mutants are still fighting the same battles over and over again, that there's, I guess, a universal aspect to no matter what world, those are be viewed as different are going to be fighting these battles. How does Bishop I mean, approach that? I mean, I wanted to approach it. Uh, it was a very, there's a fine line there because I wanted to approach it as a better version of our world, that it is a world that is much more at peace, where mutants are much, much, much better integrated into society um and and much more at ease but that there are still uh you know there are still dangers there are still threats uh and it's it is you know should be a little bit of a a sad but right moment at the end when you know um nerd bishop is training to fight that nerd Mm. bishop has learned i can't just trust that the world will be okay we do have to defend this um and so it's bittersweet in my mind because you know the it, it's a very different kind of world. You know, it is a world where the guard is much much further down. Um where the threats are mm, are feel more distant, you know. Um mutants don't need to hide in any way, but uh but there are still people who don't don't like them. And that's that's a balance as opposed to 
you know, the 616 reality where mutants, you know, are are not just constantly under, they are constantly at war. Mm-hmm. It's not even just threats, it's war. So, and, and I, another great aspect of the series, I I don't know why this part, um, I really enjoyed it, but I like that fact that at the end, the, the students all get grades. <laughs> yeah, really kind of yeah. cool. it's a class, you know? <laughs> like it's, it's a class. And like, I feel like that's also part of, bishops part of bishop's journey and just part of bishop's nature bishop is the kind of person who's like oh no i'm teaching a class therefore Mm. they get grades and they get recommendations about what happens next now when you're thinking about the grades for this for the students did they did you come up with them early in your construction of the series and go this is where i'm going to take them or do you write the story and go i wonder how they did at the end it was that one it was that it was definitely that as i was thinking about those last data pages i wanted to look back and be like okay who has actually learned? Who who surprised Bishop? Who surprised me? Um, and who, you know, going back to what we were talking about, who do I think we got to explore aspects of that maybe weren't fully explored in other books? Mm. You know, um, and one of those characters to me was Aura. Was really really digging into Aura being. Uh, discovering not necessarily discovering but really getting to show those leadership skills mm. and to show that em- that empathetic leader that uh uh she could be in the future now did now after you finished writing it did a character surprise you about where they took you hmm that is a good question and yes and no I mean, Aura surprised me a little bit um, in exactly what we were talking about, but I, it, I'm it, i not surprised because when I just sit down, I sort of let them go, mm. and then they go where they're going to go. You know, like the characters go where they're going to go. Um, the overall story, uh, I kind of know, like, the beats or the big moments. Like, I knew it was going to be a story of these five kids um, who are supposed to be on, you know, it's I mean, it's the classic classic story of we're on a training mission that turns into a real mission and now we have to figure out what to do Mm. um and particularly when the blights will is introduced and they're stripped of their powers um or their powers were working against them then it was like oh what is this um i think i had the most in some ways the most latitude with a mass uh because in their previous uh appearances we hadn't even seen their power set uh mm. and how it worked um and so i felt like i feel like i got to sort of spread my wings a little bit more with them maybe mm. with them than the others now obviously bishop war college was a great miniseries are there whispers of it continuing to something into a new series is there like what we know where, where these characters are going to go from here um I think everyone will be be interested and surprised and excited to see what happens next with Bishop and these characters. Uh, I think we should all just be buckled up and prepared for the Hellfire Gala uh, and what comes after. Okay, so I don't know if you quite stated it's something that if there was going to be a continuation of Bishop War College, is that something you'd be writing? Um, at, at this point, no. But I hope I hope I get to, a chance to return to these characters um and have some more fun with them down the road do you think you have a chance to explore earth 63 further somewhere down I the would, road i would love to i would love to so let's put it into the world <laughs> so uh what's next for you 
Uh, what's next? I've got uh, a book of my own that I'm working on that I'll be able to announce, I think, in a, another couple of months that I'm really excited about. So my first original comic book. Uh, and then once this strike is over, back to work on The Handmaid's Tale for season six. Very cool. Um, how's that I'm going for, as you know, the uh, writer's strike? Uh, I mean, for the writers, like it's been difficult and uh, tough in a lot of ways, but it's great to feel the support, to feel the support from the other unions, to feel the support from, frankly, from workers all over the country um, has been great. And our solidarity has been great. Uh, I just would really love for the producers to get off their asses and actually come to talk to us because we all want to be back at work. Mm -hmm. We would all rather be working. Uh, but we need to make sure that like our jobs are protected, our future is protected. And I don't still don't understand why they don't want that. Mm. Uh, from, I mean, obviously from the listener standpoint, is there anything listeners can do to support the writer strike? Because um, I, I, I would hope that all listeners, especially fans of comics and everyone else knows the importance of writers in the yeah. industry, TV, movies, comics, it's all very important. Um, can they do anything to help support or help push this along so we can enjoy again the shows that we like <laughs> <laughs> i mean the biggest things you can do to support uh if you're in a city where there's picketing come join the picket we'll always be happy to have people like uh with us on the picket uh share things on social media because a big part of this is keeping the visibility up so that they don't forget that they're here we're here and we're we're fighting um uh if you are in a financial position you know uh donating to any of the various strike funds uh to help people who are struggling uh at this point and i honestly just keep consuming the media can keep reading the stories keep talking about the stories uh and keep reminding them that we are important to you and that the writers are important um that's at this point, that's that's the best that we can do. Is 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 there a danger with something like this going on too long that people tend to forget things over time when the stories, you know, over when time um, continues? Sort of like I always I find like I was gonna say like almost like the, the war in Ukraine where because it's happened, it's been going on for so long that people are like, oh right, that's still a thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> there definitely has been there definitely is that danger, and that's why that's why I'm saying it's just like talking it up, talking to people coming out to join the picket so that there's visibility, all those things help because yeah, this, I mean, the news cycle, you know, I mean, in the last two weeks, we've gone from orcas to submarines, Trump's mm. indictment. It's all going to like, it's all going to keep churning forward. Um, you know, everyone's talking about the flash, all of that. Um, but through it, we're still out on the line and we're still out there every day. Hmm. Well, like I said, our listeners, if you can support us any way that you can, that, that'd be fantastic. Um, it, when you're ready to talk about hopefully season six of Handmaid's Tale or anything or your new title, come back on the show and talk with me. I would really enjoy it. It's been I'd a be pleasure. To be back. Thank, you, Thank um, you, Mr. Holtham. It's been an absolute honor. Absolute pleasure here. Thanks so much for having me.